Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We have been exploring an important section of the New Testament, which is known to us today as the Sermon on the Mount. This study is now one-third complete, and we have an exciting section to consider next. Now, there is a word in the last episode that I think kind of lingers even as we go into this one. That word is perfect. The last verse we looked at used this word as an idea of being as complete or as mature as we can be in this life. The idea is that radically loving your enemies and praying for your persecutors and going the extra mile for them are significant ways of expressing this sort of Christian perfection. We know that the chapter and verse divisions we have in our Bible now were not part of the original writings. So I believe this idea of maturity and completeness, this sense of Christian perfection, continues to be in the background as we consider these next few passages as well. With all this in mind, let me read to you now from Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Practicing righteousness publicly may at first appear to be a good thing. We've already been taught in this very sermon that as salt and light, our good deeds, including a hunger for righteousness, should be on display. And yet, in this verse, we are being challenged to practice certain acts of righteousness out of sight. There are some key differences to note between the two sections of this sermon which help us see how these things play out. First, there is definitely a part of a disciple's faith that is to be observed in the public sphere. We were reminded in episode 18 that as salt and light, the character of somebody who follows Jesus should be noticed by all. The Beatitudes have a public expression in them where the reality of a disciple's heart will eventually be put on display. And as a result, those good works will cause others to give glory to God. The things that bring glory to God should be on display. And the Beatitudes help to bring those things out in us. But there is also a part of a disciple's faith that Jesus considers unnecessary to parade around. In fact, there is a risk that a disciple could even bring glory to themselves if they do. These things are called acts of righteousness in this verse. But we'll soon see that these acts are to do with personal piety, acts of devotion and religion that are to be reserved for God's eyes only, not others. Jesus teaches us here that God will in fact reward us for these things. But in order for that to happen, we need to do them in secret. And the alternative is to settle for a rather cheap substitute, doing these things for the benefit of the public eye and only getting the praises of other people. Sure, this might be the louder and more immediate option, but it comes at the expense of being approved by the audience of one that really matters. So let's take some time to explore one of these acts of righteousness now. We're going to read a little bit further, Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 to 4. So when you give to the needy, 
Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The first act of righteousness that Jesus speaks into is how a disciple gives to those in need. Notice here that it's actually assumed that they will do this. It's not a matter of if, but when. The truth is God always expected his people to be mindful of those in need in their midst. This is certainly true of ancient Israel, and their law in Deuteronomy 15 makes this clear. Let me read a few key verses of that now. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. We know Jesus knew this writing because he quotes part of it in another teaching. And he doesn't undo this part of the law in any way here. Israel had a role to play in relieving the poor. And as far as Jesus was concerned, so did his disciples as well. And there would be a right way to do this and also a very wrong way too. The wrong way is pretty clear. Jesus says this, don't give to the needy with a big song and dance. Now, there's nothing we can see in history that indicates the Pharisees had a traveling band with them every time they went to give cash to someone. There doesn't seem to be anything in ancient writings that indicate the sort of trumpeting that Jesus speaks against here. So we can essentially read these verses as Jesus ridiculing the process of religious giving as he saw it. He observed religious people giving to the poor and notes that they would make sure everybody knew about it. From his vantage point of being God in the flesh, Jesus saw people using the plight of the disadvantaged to effectively purchase the admiration and approval of others, to have others mark them as deeply spiritual and godly examples. But all along the way, their hearts are in no way connected with the people they are seemingly trying to help. The God of the Old Testament was deeply connected to the poor, and the one with power to be a blessing to them was spoken highly of. But that's not what Jesus was seeing in those he observed. Instead, he saw religious hypocrisy. The word hypocrite has devolved to a point where it is only seen as a negative word now. But in the ancient world, this word with Greek origins actually referred to an actor playing a role. When Jesus described hypocrisy in this instance, he was indicating that there were people wearing a religious costume, doing things a religious person should be doing, but in effect they were simply playing an actor's role. In some cases, they were oblivious to the costume, but in many other cases, they were deliberately being deceptive and leaning into the character they were publicly portraying without any intention of living this way in private. They were putting on a show. They were seeking to get a crowd invested in their presentation and the character they wanted others to see. But when the crowds dispersed, 
they would be left alone with what they really were under the mask. Jesus wants more than that from those who would follow him, and he presents us with a radical approach to the way a disciple offers charity to those who need it. And if we want to be brave here, we would do well to consider this method with any form of generosity we extend to others, from giving in the church, to participating in a charity or a telethon, to simply giving gifts or support to our neighbours. Jesus calls us to be as secretive as we possibly can be about our acts of giving to others. He creatively says to don't even let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Obviously, this is not physically possible, but hopefully you get the idea that Jesus is going for here. Be radically generous, particularly to the poor and those who cannot speak for themselves. And do this as quietly and as discreetly as you possibly can. Yes, your spouse can know and perhaps should know, so you are both on the same page with your budget. Yes, it may be appropriate for your accountant to know about charities you support at tax time. And yes, it is appropriate at times to put your name and details on a form for a charitable cause. Obviously, it's pretty hard to do something like sponsoring a child without providing those details. But in all things pertaining to this act of righteousness, keep your heart pure and be as invested as you can be in those to whom you are giving, while at the same time being as quiet as you can be about the whole deal. And in doing all that, we are assured of rewards that will truly last. Jesus uses the phrase, truly I tell you, to describe the reward of the hypocrite. And we can take his promise to those who do right with equal power and weight. The audience of one who sees in secret will make sure you get your true reward. And make no mistake, he will see it. In Psalm 139, David wrote these song lyrics. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. There is no way to hide from God, in both good and bad. He sees all things and he knows all things. He knows our hearts, he gently exposes our occasional acts of hypocrisy, and he ensures our pure and righteous acts are rewarded in His perfect time. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.